1: Welcome to the Holistic Health and Human Potential Podcast. I am your host, Ronnie Landis. I'm an international speaker, author of multiple books, an integrative nutritionist, a transformation and embodiment coach, and simply a man who has devoted most of my life to the study, application, and integration of human potential, and it is my biggest inspiration to bring you weekly episodes that will expand your mind, challenge your paradigm, deepen your heart, And help you to embody the greatest version of yourself. As I believe you are meant to do something incredible with your life, and this podcast exists simply to support you on that journey. Welcome to another episode of the Holistic Human Optimization Podcast. I'm your host, Ronnie Landis. We have a truly amazing interview lined up for you today, and before we dive headfirst into it, I wanted to share a quick offer from one of our sponsors. If you're looking for the highest quality superfoods, natural supplements, and lifestyle upgrade products, I want to recommend you take a look at Purium Health Products. They produce some of the world's best superfood products by maintaining total control of the sourcing process through producing a majority of their products on their own farms and using their padded into live dehydration process, which helps to maintain total nutritional integrity. Some of my favorite products I use daily are the Super Amino 23 Protein Replacement Amino Acid product. The Love Super Meal, which is a live, organic, vegan meal replacement formula. The Apothecary product, which is an organic, GMO-free cherry concentrate that helps increase natural melatonin levels and aids in REM sleep. And also, their revolutionary, first-ever anti-GMO product, The Biomedic which has been shown in preclinical studies to safely remove up to 74% of the GMO insecticide glyphosate from the human body in around six weeks of using the product on a daily basis. And that is just the tip of the iceberg with what this company offers. I encourage you to visit their website, www.ishoppurium.com, and use my coupon code, HUMANPOTENTIAL, all spelled in one word, to receive a $50 coupon on your first order and up to 25% on reoccurring orders after that. Again, the website is www.ishopcurium.com and use the coupon code HUMANPOTENTIAL. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Holistic Human Optimization Show. I'm your host, Ronnie Landis, and we have a special guest, Jason Christoph, here with me. And we have some territory to cover. This man is an incredible wealth of knowledge on a diversity of topics relating to health, fitness, regeneration, healing, addictive uh, you know, abuse, if you will, um, and many, but that's just like the tipping point of really this man's knowledge. And the reason that I brought him on in this episode is to explore a topic that is near and dear to my heart. It's something that I've been looking at for many years, but he has really spent, um, probably decades really unpacking for himself and really for the people that he serves his audience. The concept of trauma based mind control and why do we sabotage ourselves? Um, and why do we avoid being our very best in life and health and business and relationship, et cetera, et cetera? And I really wanted to bring him on to start unpacking these questions because it is my belief that the root core of everything. Um, You know, it really comes down to some of the things that I've heard this man discuss in in really incredible detail and explanation on other shows, and I just knew that I had to get him on. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Jason. Thanks for having me on, Ronnie. It's a pleasure. How's it in Hawaii? It is absolutely phenomenal and fantastic. (laughs) Good. Good, that sounds great. Yeah, so the sun is shining bright, and uh, you're never really in a, a deficit of vitamin D here, so I'm super grateful for that. Yeah, you're very lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah and you know, it's funny too, because this is, um, if you were to consider Hawaii as um, an American state, I don't consider it as an American state for somewhat obvious reasons, but let's just assume that it kind of is. Um, it is statistically the healthiest and the most longevity prone state of every of the entire United States. and I definitely feel like the wild primal nature, the, the vitamin D, the connection to the ocean and the food here is really the reason for that and the, the happiness and just the harmony that people feel.
0: Yeah, you can definitely see that in your in your work, Ronnie. I mean, us looking from outside, you can see that, you know, your spirituality is very deep, mm-hmm. that you're kind of reflective of the environment that you live in there. So, we, you know, from everybody else out here, you're doing great work, and thanks very much.
1: Uh, well, I really appreciate that. So, let's just dive in. You know, we, we were talking before the call, and we know where we want to go with this. But before we go into the theme, which is related to... This idea or this reality, I should say, of trauma-based mind control and the mechanics of self-sabotage. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your background? How did you get into the work you do and how did you particularly get focused on those themes in particular?
0: Well, I'm being in, I've owned fitness clubs now for 25 years. So I opened my first one 25 years ago. And I was very interested and you know, I really wanted to make, you know, I really wanted to make profit in the business, and that depends on you helping your people achieve their health-related goals. And what happened, you know, it was very obvious early on, and I didn't really investigate it early on, but when you get people in shape, what I was seeing kind of en masse, people had a hard time keeping the weight off or keeping healthy. Or staying away from things that hurt them. And not only did it affect my profit, it affected my self-esteem. It affected, you know, my vision of myself. I didn't know if I was doing the right work or not. What was I really missing? And that's when I started coming across, you know, the topics that there's going to be some, like self-sabotage is definitely related to pretty well trauma in your childhood. So, you know, these people were kind of consciously expressing that they wanted a better life, but subconsciously there was something completely inhibiting them from achieving that goal. So it said that the conscious mind you know, controls one to five percent of our behavior and the the subconscious or unconscious mind controls 95 to 99 percent of our behavior. So what is it? Why why does a person declare with their conscious mind that they want to lose weight or, or stop drinking or, you know, declare a New Year's resolution? But what is it that makes them afraid of achieving and keeping, you know, keep walking the path to their best life? And when you open that can of worms, you're going to get into, it's almost like a Pandora's box of what's wrong with our society in the nth degree. You're going to really start understanding why our society has to change because what's happening are people are placed in so much fear that they're, they're really having a hard time breaking breaking away from the crowd. So when you're Placed in trauma as a child, all you do from that point on is try to reestablish your safety. And in our society, there's no safety in being healthy or successful. Mm-hmm. So, what happens is when I have many clients, uh, for example, I'll give you an example of a lady just this week. Uh, she was always avoiding uh, the certain diet protocols that I was encouraging. And she was doing that because she didn't want to get she didn't want to feel kind of outside her peer group because everybody in her peer group was unhealthy. So she was really making up every excuse possible. And this was, you know, going on for months She just didn't want to adhere to any of the diet advice I was giving. So I I knew she was kind of traumatized, so I took a a stricter role as an authority figure and kind of pressured her a bit more, kind of knowing what I know about self-sabotage and trauma. I became the traumatizing uh, figure in her life, put a little bit more pressure on her, and then she started the diet, and she couldn't lose any weight whatsoever for about... I think it was two years now. She's been gaining a steady five pounds a year. Mm. And in the first uh, week of the diet, she lost nine pounds. And then she started saying, I'm really thirsty. I can't do it. I'm too thirsty. I'm too thirsty. And this could even be the subconscious mind trying to grasp at any excuse possible to back out. Mm -hmm. Because she's so afraid to be her best because Her subconscious mind tracks every news piece, every radio show, every TV show, every movie. Mm -hmm. And in our society, guess who's on the front page of the paper? Guess who the charity fundraising's for? Guess who's the only one that gets support in the society? It's the unhealthy person. The people who are truly healthy... Are attacked constantly, either directly or indirectly. And the subconscious the subconscious mind libraries every attack and understands beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you dare leave the security of the herd, that you will be attacked either directly or indirectly. Mm. So this this is what's really keeping people down and then you you get back like you reverse engineer what is it that's traumatizing all these people yes. that they're so afraid that they have to always sort of run after the authority figure and become the uh, like a kind of like a chronic people pleaser mm-hmm. and in our society To be a chronic people pleaser, and that's one of the side effects of being traumatized. And the only reason that happens, Ronnie, is because if you're traumatized, your kind of neurological systems become full to the brim with fear, panic, and trauma. Yes. So what it means is that you can't take one more drop. You, you, you just really don't want to have any trauma, any further trauma, because you are so mortified of the first pain and panic that you experience. You'll do absolutely anything to avoid the next trauma. So it's very similar to what's called battered woman syndrome. Mm. A battered woman doesn't. Do you know what battered woman syndrome is?
1: Yeah, I mean, I have the—I uh, I haven't studied it, but I understand the the concept. Yeah, so you have a
0: tyrannical authority figure right. that was the husband, and it doesn't matter what the request is to the battered wife. It could be get my slippers. It could be get my newspaper. Have my drink ready when I come home. The traumatized person simply tries to avoid the next trauma, regardless of what the request is. And this is really what's happening inside of our society as a collective, is everybody's so placed in fear that they'll do whatever the authority figure declares, sim- not because it makes any sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. And not because they've researched, I mean, this could go anywhere from Ronnie, this could be people vaccinating, yeah. this could be, you yeah. know, someone trying to lose weight, they don't want to cause a fuss, right. because the fuss is the next trauma, and they're already full of trauma, so they will do absolutely anything to avoid the next one, which means they have their minds controlled from the outside. So they lose their ability to lead their own lives because they go from interaction to interaction. So they might interact with 30 people a day. And a traumatized person's sole goal is to make sure there's no conflict with any of those 30 people.
1: Yeah, it's like the, the slave becomes complicit with slavery, with being enslaved
0: simply because slave master holds the whip right and that and that opens up like i said a whole a whole pandora's box explaining why our society is drowning this is very old technology this isn't like a misunderstanding or we're just sort of traumatizing the public <laughs> by mistake This is a very ancient way by which 100,000 people can control, 8 billion people with nothing but authority and reward and punishment systems. And, of course, reward and punishment systems can program people to act like circus animals for sure. But if the circus animal is traumatized, you get a lot better obedience out of that circus animal. Yes.
1: Exactly how you train an elephant or a tiger or, or a bear these these wild these these wild extremely powerful animals that no human could physically compete with but how do you train and how do you basically enslave these these um, creatures you know it's it's you you have to inflict some kind of trauma in order to um, in order to uh, what's the word I'm looking for I guess get them to cower down to the the perceptual or or very real threat of of um, you know being damaged further.
0: Yeah, and and this is and this is how sort of we're being farmed as a collective without our knowledge. We're thinking of a lot of these uh, traumatizing incidents are normal parts of our society, and they are. But when you start analyzing the society over the full spectrum, you can't help but notice that the movies are traumatizing, the TV shows are traumatizing, the birthing protocols are traumatizing. And as a side note, all mind control research has proven that traumatizing the human in the first seven years of life is the most effective to instill reflexive obedience in, in the mind control slate. And this is why a lot of the children, it doesn't matter if it's not co-sleeping. So, the, you know, there's, a, there's some books about not co-sleeping, not breastfeeding long enough. And we could get into a whole gamut of authority-based attacks on the children, which makes them very afraid to do anything outside what authority tells them or what's accepted, accepted by the herd. I'd like to also mention that this sort of mind control technology can be used to evolve a society, can be used to ascend, can be used to grow and mature as a society. You can give people rewards for being their best. You can cultivate uh, a society where the herd is at a perfect weight, where no one drinks, where no one does any drugs and you can make that the social norm and you can have the healthiest person in the tribe on the front page of the paper you can have a charity drive for a new organic garden for the healthiest family in your community you can use this mind control technology to better a society but currently we're being we're being rewarded and punished and traumatized in a way where we're getting thrown down the evolutionary ladder mm-hmm. on purpose by people who benefit from our dysfunction our disempowerment and our disorientation
1: mm-hmm. i hope that
0: makes some kind of well, sense it makes.
1: i mean it makes every kind of possible sense And, you know, there's just a lot of things that are that are coming up for me when when I hear all this, because there's a lot of different directions we can go. I mean, this is such a huge topic and we're just kind of like unpacking it as an introduction into a little bit of a deeper rabbit hole into the implications and the practicalities of what you're talking about and how every single day, almost moment by moment, the majority of people um, are being bombarded with subliminal imagery, subliminal symbolism, um, invisible Wi-Fi disruptive technologies that are disrupting our biofield and our 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 biofrequency, which is the most incredible, which is the most important tuning fork for creating or co-creating our personal reality and the life that we aspire for. And one of the things that I wanted to return to is this idea that people are, are genuinely or I should say subconsciously or unconsciously afraid of being their very best because that right there, that that phrase or that concept is so important for all of us to internalize because a number of things came up for me personally. When you said that before we got on the phone, I started thinking about certain Habit patterns that I had allowed to persist and I realized like wow that's literally what's going on with me I'm actually as far along as I am comparatively to most people um, that's not good enough for where I want to go and yet I'm noticing I have resistance to being my best self so what's that about so I want to I want to I want to kind of um, flow into that a little bit more
0: yeah it's just safer to walk in our society. As a human mess, because number one, no one picks on the human mess <laughs> and uh, and no and you know if you 're really messy, like if you 're really going to put a full time job into being a very messy human, you know you 're going to have people start paying attention to you, coming over and maybe mowing your lawn because you 're sick, delivering you dinner, and this sort of program, this sort of mental programming to be afraid of being a natural intelligent healthy human being can be it's very subtle like for example i've heard my i've heard i've been walking on a beach with my wife i don't know if you're familiar with my wife and her physical appearance but she's she's very healthy yep. And, you know, when she walks down the beach, she feels subconscious because you can hear some groups of women. And I hear it myself. You hear the whispers of bitch, Mm. you know, or skinny bitch, you know. So if you have five women who giggle and don't forget, the easiest way to mind control has been proven comedy. So when you throw an insult into the subconscious mind with comic effect, it's going to grow like a weed. Mm. So you have these five women potentially looking at a healthy female walking down the beach. And instead of kind of admiring her or maybe asking her for for knowledge – They might say, oh, she's a skinny bitch. And they kind of laugh. I mean, it's not uncommon. And they're probably not being as vindictive as I'm saying. But each one of those women in the group now thinks that if they get skinny, they're the bitch.
1: Exactly. Yep.
0: So who wants to be the bitch? No one. In our whole societies like that, too, is when I walk into a room, say, in my local community, I mean, half of them cheer me on. Don't get me wrong, I, I'm, I, when I walk in my community, a lot of people admire me. But there's also the other half, which is the mind-controlled masses that I'm trying to allude to yeah. that sort of are very afraid of anybody that makes them contemplate how they maybe they could be a little better. So when I come in and I'm almost 50 years old, I don't have any gray hair, I don't have any gray hair in my beard. I've been in business for myself to 25, you know, and, you know, Jason Christoph's crazy. <laughs> okay. So, you know, yeah, the good looking people, the healthy people, the, the successful people. Yeah, they're crazy. But this is how the, those people want to make sure you never get too far ahead because then the, the herd might change. Mm-hmm. Right. Because what happens if the herd becomes healthy and successful people? They would have to change herds because all they're doing is trauma. their, Their behavior is based on being traumatized and which group is the largest so that they can find safety and shelter in there that was stolen from them. I feel sorry for these people. Their safety and security, which is supposed to be a naturally gifted thing when you arrive on the planet, has been stolen from them. By people who are masters in psychology and develop psychological technology to control the human man long before they control, uh, you know, could manufacture the computer or the cell phone. Yeah. So, if you're wondering why people have a very hard time becoming more, it's because. You know, 80% of the population are messy. Mm, mm-hmm. They're overweight. They're, they're on medications. Even if you speak against medication, it threatens that herd. Right. So they're going to come over and attack you in order to modify their safety and security. Not, they know that taking the medications make them, makes them more ill. They have the greatest evidence of that of anybody on the planet. The more medications they take, the more sick they get. So this isn't about logic or rational thought. This is about what group is the largest group and which group provides the most safety. That's, that's how it operates. So that kind of traumatized person will always flock Toward the group that's the most popular or the most populated in our society. And it brings us full circle back where if we were to make that larger group that healthy, the scared people would go over there. Yeah. But we, But the people, the, the, the groups that are orchestrating our societal collapse understand all of this. And understand that the search for security to reestablish their safety and security has nothing to do with logic. So they're advertising daily that the safest place to be is drinking on a Friday night, smoking a joint on uh, every night after you get home from work, having some wine, being medicated, having sick kids. This is the safe group. Vaccinating your kids, eating poorly.
1: Yeah, you know, no,
0: no, flogging no, no. yourself, self abusing, self destruction.
1: Yeah, it's, it's so fascinating, because um, I always say that diet or lifestyle, you know, even the word diet, the word diet has the word die in it, you know, right? right. So it's like, it's a vibrational kind of discrepancy. It's already a dissonant frequency embedded into the word that everybody associates with a lifestyle change. And it's like. Nobody wants to die. so why am I gonna do a diet? but everybody's trying to change their life and live more by taking on a diet that's that's designed to fail based on kind of the symbolic encryption that it's uh, kind of in all the all the crazy yo-yo things that are that come along with it. but one of the things that I wanted to bring up in re- in relation on a personal note because it just came up for me as you' as you're sharing this, you know I remember, I was raised as a martial artist and thank goodness for that because my generation certainly as men did not have any kind of rites of passage. We did not have any kind of ancestral primal nothing unless you went camping or something um, and had some kind of some kind of uh, time in nature. But, you know, for me, I think I was very fortunate to get that that Eastern, very traditional masculine upbringing. But one thing. I found interesting. I didn't think of it so much. It seemed kind of normal that people, when I would change my, because I would change very quickly, like I would get onto a new idea. It would it would cause me to grow spiritually and I would keep it moving. I wouldn't really get too concerned about people that um, could not move at my own pace. I kind of just realized that was what was going on. But, um, anyways, what I wanted to mention is a is a little bit of a memory that I have when I was teaching. I I, I had taught over about 500 students um, from the age of 20, no, the age of 19 till 23. I ran a martial arts school. I had like 500 students, um, and I was a head instructor. And I had developed. Incredible relationships with the parents, with the children. I mean, they they you know they revered me. You know, as you as one can imagine, if you've ever been in that kind of teacher student or parent to, you know, to your teacher, your, your son or daughter's teacher. There's a lot of reverence. There's a lot of respect. One thing I noticed though is that when my life changed and I had a bit of a spiritual awakening, and I decided that I did not want to drink alcohol anymore. I didn't want to party. I didn't want to Waste my life force and I wanted to get into entrepreneurship and I wanted to change my diet. The more changes I made, the less visible support I received from all the people that years before adored and loved me and were always there by my side um, as far as that kind of relationship went there. I just noticed people actually started – um these these individuals started kind of turning their back on me in a very weird way. And I and I just kind of like I just didn't really think too deeply into it until this moment. I realized, like, wow, um, that's kind of sobering, you know, and it, obviously I was getting sober. But, you know, it was like sobering on a on a deeper level to realize, like, wow, it's not logical at all. It's it's some kind of primal or primordial kind of program that would cause these individuals to turn their back on me when I decided to do something good for myself, because I was under the disillusion that they were actually going to want to come along with me. That was part of my motivation. (laughs) That was part of my motivation in the beginning was like, wow, I, I can actually empower all these amazing people and the parents and the children. I can continue to inspire them by change by upgrading my lifestyle. But the moment I did that, Man, that was the wake-up call.
0: Yeah, you're, you're not going to get a lot of the support in the society because when you start, you broke outside the herd, yeah. and so you become an enemy. And you become an enemy for one very concrete reason. You're holding up another example that's different than herd behavior. Mm-hmm. So when someone in the herd sees something different, there's – Either the herd is wrong, or yours, or you're wrong. Right. And what that means is that there's a fifty percent chance they're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> they don't like that. Yeah. Yeah. They don't like to be reminded. And don't forget, it's not really a primal reaction on their part. This is a new program. Like the most famous teacher in the world, John Taylor Gatto. He received the um, Teacher of the Year in New York City, Teacher of the Year in New York State. This is what he calls dumbness by design. This is a sort of dumbness and evil that doesn't happen organically in nature. This kind of stupidity and immorality and unethical behavior has to be designed. It cannot live in the human without a lie-based structure a trauma based structure and 24 hour maintenance of those invisible control grids. And, and when you're traumatized as a, as a child in our society, it's always by authority figures, so you're always lusting after pleasing becoming a chronic people plea becoming like a pleaser of authority figures and that's why most people just take any medication their doctor tells them because they're scared not to that's why most people vaccinate because they're scared not to and what happens is the subconscious mind libraries so many msn uh you know front page headlines of uh, you know the the government judge Getting caught for corruption the the government police officer unfortunately you know maybe shooting someone or putting a beat down the the government politician um you know molesting children, the subconscious mind libraries all that, and you know and if you're scared, you know what the uh the subconscious mind says, well, I guess the safest place is to be corrupt
1: mm-hmm.
0: because this is what happens you either identify with the slave master or you identify with the slave and every story we see like you know could be uh law and order it's always about like what about that movie the training day with Denzel Washington and Ethan Hawke yeah every story we see is about the authority figure is in a position of power working for a government, usually working for a government organization. And this causes the subconscious mind to have a massive magnetic attraction toward the ty- to, toward employment in the government control grid, which can also lead to a whole host of other problems leading from trauma, because that, that person will identify with the tyrant instead of with the abused. So if you're if you're scared in in, in, to make a long story short, if you're scared in your childhood and a lot of our childhood rituals in North America are designed to scare children, it will send you reeling through life, cascading through life, pinballing through life where you're very prone to step into one bucket of crap and quickly step out into another two buckets of crap. Because don't forget that when you are also traumatized, there's three layers of your brain. There's an outer layer, there's a core, and there's what's called the reptilian brain. It's at the base of the spinal cord. It's your lowest IQ operation in your entire neural net. And when you're traumatized, guess which part of the brain gets activated the most? That one so try navigating an adult life inside a corrupt society working from a platform of super low iq which is what they want because then your life is in perpetual crisis you're all you're never going to get rid of your fear because you're living check to check you keep gaining your weight you keep taking you know you keep you know taking your medications heading to the vaccine clinic drinking after every friday night getting pizza and then as your life falls apart you're like hey i'm doing everything they told me to be safe why why am i not safe <laughs> mm-hmm. and of course that's the design like none of this is by accident
1: yeah it's it's so perfectly designed and it would have to be and um one of the things i was just um I was just thinking about was that in the in the um how do I say in the avoidance of <clears throat> of being traumatized, people will will inflict trauma upon themselves unknowingly because that's the that's really the only other option right if you're gonna avoid if you're gonna avoid um, a potential danger and you're not gonna actually deal with it, then the only real thing that you could do was inflicted upon yourself
0: now and that's the that's the scariest feedback loop in trauma is because say you're traumatized as a kid say in a natural way so say you have uh, a parent die of natural causes for you to get through that your body has a self-defense mechanism because it's very emotionally damaging to absorb the death of a parent all at once So your neurological system disconnects. So it goes numb. It kind of tranquilizes you on purpose. And then as the weeks and months go by, it starts to reconnect your nervous system. And if you're not really aware of how this process works, the process being that your fear now and your trauma and your pain are going to come to the surface for you to deal with, if you're not aware it's going to come up to the surface you're not going to be aware of maybe six months down the road, you start feeling very emotionally unstable. Mm -hmm. And the, just like you said, the easiest way to shut that fear off, oddly enough, that will trap the fear inside you. You will never let it go. Mm -hmm. But besides that point, the easiest way to shut the trauma off is to re traumatize yourself. Because you will re-engage the disconnection that your body does naturally when it's traumatized. So you became numb as a body defense to trauma, which is natural. And as, the, as that disconnection fades away and you start feeling what you should be dealing with, you have to deal with despair and you know being down. You really do have to deal with it and your body will reconnect the nervous system. If you have a drink, you shut it off. If you have a joint, you shut it off. If you have a Pepsi, you shut it off. If you have a pizza, you shut it off. So you can start re-traumatizing yourself to deal with the first trauma. As a side note, it's been shown that the narcotics, the Pepsi, Oddly enough, caffeine is the most powerful tranquilizer. It doesn't matter what sedative or tranquilizing substance we're talking about, from opiates to toxic medication or from the marijuana to the wine. This is all hand-delivered into the slave camp because this is part of the cycle. This isn't free market economics at work. Nothing could be farther from the truth, because anybody in the right mind isn't going to go pay thirty dollars for a bottle of poison at the liquor store. Right. Free market economics is a response to what people, you know, need to be better. This is something much more sinister. Mm. This is purposely traumatizing people and then making sure they stay sedated. Because in a sedate, a sedated state, they are always going to act like they're going to live in a permanent childhood. Mm-hmm. And it's easier to steal a kid, a candy from a baby than it is a real, true adult who's unsedated.
1: Yeah. Wow. This is, this is this is uh, another point where it gets really interesting because one of um, one of the words or one of the phrases that's been used to describe. The fast food industry, in particular, and you can lump in every single other thing: tobacco, alcohol, coffee, um, street drugs, recreational, pharmaceutical, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, there's a word used called the weapons system, and this is a phrase that um, David Wilcock tuned me into personally. But it's 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 coming from high level individuals, um, you know, in specific organizations. That know about the deliberate intent of these industries in the this the vehicles the weaponized vehicles of our food system and substance abuse um, kind of agenda that you're speaking to, and I just wanted to point that out for everyone listening. Like it is actually a term. The weapon system is a term. And it's no. It's no. You know, if you want to go deeper down the rabbit hole, it's no coincidence that the inner cities in particular and the minorities or um, those that used to be minorities anyways, um, the disenfranchised among us are, in those communities, are the biggest targets?
0: They, they uh, when a good movement starts in uh, society, and this has been going on for thousands of years, the groups I'm referring to will we'll leave them nameless know that if there is an uprising of evolutionary energy that you send in the drugs and and then you can market it as free will like during woodstock it's very well documented that um you know the drugs were delivered into woodstock by the cia Mm. um and basically that was a good movement at one time But like many, many, many other times in recorded and unrecorded history, the movement was targeted by drugs. And it doesn't doesn't matter what mind control research literature you review. If someone's under uh, the influence of drugs, it doesn't matter if it's mercury fillings or LSD or marijuana or sugar or coffee. It doesn't matter. They're just more reflexively obedient to authority. It's easier to change their mind. They can't think straight. They act more like children than they do adults. Their IQs are lower. It doesn't matter what drug you use. And that's where the average person has a hard time understanding that all these non-natural products are part of a process by which people are like sliding down the mountain and they can't get their footing again. Plus, of course, the psychological topics we were talking about earlier, where if you do get your footing on the mountain, you're afraid to move Mm. because you're literally scared to death to climb up because all the people you know are below you on the mountain. And as you look up the mountain, you see me and you. And that's really not enough to make them feel (laughs) secure. And then at the top of the mountain, there's like Michael Tesarion. He's there alone. So. Or it might even be empty. So, who wants to go up and be by themselves at the top of the mountain?
1: Yeah.
0: Like, if there's no one on the path, it's not that much fun to walk. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, this is, I mean, this is such an important perspective because it really, you know, in so many ways, it really does come down to that, you know, because people have an intrinsic need to feel feel like they belong and to feel like they're in a community and they're connected empathetically with other human beings. And, and I definitely feel like, um, empathy as an emotion or feeling is an evolutionary catalyst. And that's one, that's gotta be one of the, one of the things going on. I definitely know when I drink coffee every once in a while, I'll, I'll have like, um, a bulletproof coffee or something for entertainment purposes. Um, however I do I am not I'm not asleep to the fact that more times than not when I do drink coffee it drives a sympathetic response. Um, I am probably more I'm more in that that kind of primal or that that immediate not so much long term thinking but that short term gratification state. Um, and it drives the nervous system typically in a direction that does not support harmony or empathy. And I notice that it's actually harder to access that empathetic response that allows me to connect with someone heart to heart when I'm under the influence of a particular substance, um, such as that which is com- which is the most common drug in the world. You know, alcohol and coffee are got to be the biggest drugs going. Um, and so I want, to kind of, I want to kind of see what your thoughts are on this, this, this notion of empathy being an evolutionary kind of catalyst and the suppression of that. Well, the only reason you're not feeling empathy
0: is because all those higher end brain functions exist only to be experienced in the outer core of the brain. And when you have the caffeine, you trigger the fight or flight. What you said was a sympathetic response, but that same, it's the same thing. It's the fight or flight. And when you're in a fight or flight, you're going to inhibit the outer core, the outer shell and the inner core of the brain will shut down. And all electrical energy will be shunted toward that, uh, the limbic brain or the reptilian brain. There's no empathy to be had there. Saying that, it should also be interesting to your listeners that the primary characteristic of a psychopath is a lack of empathy.
1: Exactly.
0: So when you have, in, when someone's non empathetic, it just means they're not going to consider the other person. And if you look into our society today, you have doctors uh, poisoning children and adults for money. That's psychopathic. Okay, you have people crawling over each other like it was some kind of, you know, hedonistic orgy mm-hmm. to compete for jobs that literally destroy our community. And if that's not a sign of the empathetic part of the brain being shut down, I don't know what other example I can provide. And this is what's happening in that non empathetic sort of. Uh, Operation of the brain can tr- be triggered by a small British cup of coffee, like a tea, like a teacup. <laughs> and people are having five times that, maybe twice a day. Mm. Caffeine doesn't leave the system for 24 hours, and they're having it every day. Mm. Need I say more? Yeah. yeah. And there's a reason the groups I talk about have scoured the world to find these mind controlling substances and and people think it's again free market economy this is all about adam smith we're going to go down to south america and you know sub saharan africa we're going to get these coffee beans nothing could be further from the truth these things are investigated and researched to the hilt they're mind control chemicals they really help drive home indoctrination and propaganda because when you drink it you're going to be operating from the lowest iq part of the brain the limbic system so i know it's a shocker i know you didn't want to go there with any of this stuff there but it's it's all related
1: yeah well no i definitely did that's why we're having this conversation um because you you really just you say it as it is and i love that and um And I'm just curious, like for you and your journey, you know, you you say oftentimes in your your posts, you'll say that, you know, you'll talk about your story of living an addiction free life. And I got to be honest with you, when I started checking out the work that you're putting out into the world and some of the phrases and the ways of explaining some of these less than, um, I guess, uh, less than shared or these, these perspectives that you don't really hold back on. You're just very straightforward. You're like, look, this is what it is and, and this is what I believe. And you talk about living an addiction-free life. And when I heard or when I saw you say that, it really triggered something in me. I realized like, wow, you know what? Um, there Every single person to some extent is living with emotional, mental, psychological physical or spiritual pain and most people are managing it they're coping with it they're pacifying it um, but they're not really healing it and they have some kind of substance addictive abusive thing going on that's actually causing them to cope with a deeper level of pain so i'm curious for you whether it was coffee or alcohol or or drugs or whatever it was what was it for you that that you gave up to, to live, as you say, an addiction-free lifestyle?
0: Well, I have this
1: uh, article, if people want
0: to look it up, they can just put my name, Jason Christoph, and it's a story about me. So if they put that into Google, they're going to get that article. I was uh, taking steroids, growth hormone, cocaine, magic mushrooms, um, LSD, alcohol, junk food, and also... I was also successful in business at the time, so I was spending money. I I was the stereotypical, empty, soulless, immoral, unethical meatbag. Just a human mess, just a pure, almost like a Satanist. That's how I describe myself. Because you know the satanic doctrine, and you will come across it in this kind of research, is simply anything that's anti-life. So it has nothing to do with a guy in a in a pitchfork with a, a cloven hooves. <laughs> it has to do with the destruction of life, the destruction of my cells, the destruction of your cells, the plotting of that, the cheerleading of that, picking up a toxic coffee, going to McDonald's next. Um, staying up too late to kill a couple more cells, uh, fornicating with other lost souls, mm. having sex with other lost souls, uh, you know, spiritually wrecking yourself, physically wrecking yourself, mentally wrecking yourself. And, and that's, and you know what, what I found out that is the most inept and lazy way to live non-courageous and non-warrior like. Absolutely. It's a ch- and what if if you want to imagine my life? If anybody wants to imagine my life right now, I don't do any of that. But picture standing yourself in front of a blast furnace, twenty four hours a day, with the flames coming out and almost burning you alive, and you're screaming at the top of your lungs. You could escape and sedate, mm-hmm. but you don't because mm-hmm. that's real courage. Mm. I'm not going to have a drink, roll a joint, do a line of cocaine and eat a big pizza just to forget about my empty and, and my empty life that I decorate I used to decorate with materialistic goods. Because that is that is a life not worth living. And I tell my daughter daily, don't fear anything but a meaningless life. Mm-hmm. How
1: old is your and daughter?
0: She's 11. And you, she knows and everything you, I talk about.
1: Wow, that is extraordinary. That's oh man. There's like as you I mean, I can relate to I can relate to your words and the the feeling tone coming from them so so profoundly. I'm 32. I've been through multiple lifetimes in this one and they've been really intense and I can see the patterns when I was most in my I guess self integrity was when I was most in my martial art practice cuz that that was that was the the medium of living my life where i didn't need to cope and i think about this idea of like what am i trying to cope with what what is the thing in me that is getting bored with life as it is what is the thing in me that doesn't want to be here that wants to check out what kind of pain is living inside of me that i would actually desecrate this holy temple called a miracle of a body um but go to church you know me or anybody else i don't go to church but i go to i go to agape in la when i'm there so that's my church or i go to the beach and i go to nature that's my church right. Right? um but you get my point right like what yep. is it inside of us that causes us, um, you know, when I say us, I want to say us in the context of you, me, and everyone listening to something like this, that is aspiring for their own sense of greatness. That's aspiring for something real. What is it inside of us that causes us to aspire, but then also, um, resist our own, our own, I guess, evolution, well the soul
0: always knows what it is. The soul always knows what our true vocation is. We were all we were all sent here to do great things. No one was sent here to work a job they don't like, to buy things they don't need, which is exactly what most people are doing, flocking to a job just for safety and security because they're so afraid and then they kind of burn their creative and unique talents as they do that. Um but so, what exactly was the question again, Ronnie? Yeah, so you wanted it's like, to know,
1: it's, it's where, so, like, why do they
0: stop being their best?
1: Yeah, so it's like it, it's like I, we've already talked about the how traumatized the majority of people are and the intricacies around that. Now I'm just kind of I'm just kind of focusing this similar question on the demographic of us that are climbing the mountain that are actually aspiring for greatness like because i feel like it's a it's almost like a nuanced type of resistance because we've worked through so much of those lower level resistances but i feel like inside of me there is a subtlety to the resistance that's different than what it was um when i was living in those those lower level kind of survival uh yeah well, I can't address your case in particular because I didn't do
0: any kind of intake assessment. You know, if I were to you know, assess someone personally, I would do an intake form. But for everybody out there, if, they, if they're looking to evolve and ascend, this can't be done under the influence of unnatural chemicals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's absolutely impossible. I mean, that's why they're there because they block ascension, they block maturation, they block our rite of passage from a child to an adult where we take our place as an adult in the tribe. We have so many adults today engaging in this permanent childhood. You have 50-year-olds getting tattoos, 60-year-olds drunk at the bar. This is completely asinine. In in a tribal society, the tribe would collapse if... uh, if it were to act like this and that's exactly why the global tribe is collapsing because no one's maturing Mm. and taking their natural rite of passage from child to adult. Sure. It can be painful because when we're children, all the energy is incoming. It's all coming one way. The arrows are coming into you. All the attention, all the energy is about supporting you and it's all about you. And if we take this rite of passage, we're supposed to you know, painfully morph into an adult where all the energy flows the other way. It's supposed to flow away from us to care for the children, to build a community, to educate, to maintain the knowledge for the tribe, teach people how to hunt and to care for themselves. So we give to ourselves until we die. That's our job as adults in the tribe, to be moral and ethical role models for the people who are coming next. Mm -hmm. And if you look out today, you have 50-year-olds playing video games and smoking joints and getting tattoos, dropping their kids off in daycares. Absolutely horrendous that no one wants to do this maturation process, and it's always going to be blocked by the alcohol, the coffee, the junk food, the medical drugs. Every sort of sedative, tranquilizing, distracting substance is smuggled into our communities on purpose so that we never equal the knowledge or power of our rulers. And it's time people start to get pissed
1: off about that. Mm-hmm. Well, you just I think you just, you just hit on the head in terms of the maturation. Maybe that's what it really just comes down to is this resistance to actually just grow up and be an adult.
0: It is, and that's what, that's what I try to get people to go to. It's just, you know, if you have a kid, you, now you're an adult, your energy is going to flow out of you until you're dead. And if you, if you die building your community in a moral and ethical way, well, that is an honorable life. As a Greek friend of mine once said, a hero dies once, a coward dies a thousand times. And this is what our society is having a massive problem doing. And I get, I don't know where the fire comes from. I've been this sort of aggravated <laughs> <laughs> since, I, since I've walked on this planet that there's really no adult out there to protect me. And then when I adult up and try to protect others, other disempowered adults try to get in my way. Mm-hmm. It's enough to drive a sane person insane.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Which has got to be part of the program as well.
0: Yeah, because you're just always fighting against the other slaves who just say, you know, why not just sit on the left hand of slave master? He'll help you out. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, he won't because he never has. And you're being tricked and you have to start adulting because you know what? The true adult never thinks of five or 10. Like an adult always thinks five or 10 or 15 years down the road. And child thinks 5, 10, or 15 minutes down the road, and that's sort of a litmus test you can give your own behavior at any time. Right. And most people today are just in for the instant gratification. That's why they're having sex with their secretaries uh, in, the, in the broom closet and having three cups of coffee and, and not eating healthy food because they're children because they don't think. I mean, how, how, how do you think that the uh, office affair – or the junk food at the you know the constant ingestion of junk food isn't going to affect you in five years, or maybe even the week after, maybe even that afternoon, because mm-hmm. the average person is not thinking long term. They're not adults, and like I said, that's that's the main part of the problem. But then again, Ronnie, fear traps people in a uh, permanent childhood because it's the lowest IQ part of the brain that trauma kind of fires up so it's it's not like any of this is happening organically yeah it's not really the people's fault it's it's an engineered orchestrated planned control grid
1: yeah and that's kind of um we're running we're kind of running out of time but that's kind of an interesting thing too because once you realize that it's not people's fault even though people do have responsibility when you realize that it's not people's fault, then as I guess leaders if you want to say, it we're, we're kind of put in an interesting perplexing position because we don't have we can't really be judgmental of them, so it's kind of like even though it's an uphill battle, we we have to serve. <laughs> like it's just like there's no other option, right? We have to do our best to help and shed light on it even if we get Kind of, uh, we get hit around, we get slapped around um, here and there, and we get knocked to the ground for our beliefs and our perspectives, and we get criticized. It's kind of like when you see the whole thing and you kind of see what's going on, you can't really be mad at people. So the only thing to do is actually find ways to love them and love them through their process.
0: Yeah, and that's why I always try to, you know, take the disguises and take the cloaks off on my Facebook page. I try to always expose the mechanisms by which people are being controlled so they can just see it for themselves and make the change and, and, you know, understand that they are kind of being attacked from many angles and and it's all part of the awakening. So, yeah, it's not best to judge them. It's it's just good to try and do. Everybody just has to do their part. And uh, the first part is to get healthy. If you don't get healthy, none of this is going to make any sense.
1: Yeah, we don't need any more overweight conspiracy theorists running around, or not theorists, but factualists. We don't need any more overweight spiritual, enlightened, you know, and spiritually enlightened teachers that are 200 pounds overweight. We don't need any of that. We need everyone to get healthy first, and then we can go from there. Yeah, because if you're healthy, the sympathetic nervous
0: response will calm down. You'll activate all three layers, you know, all three portions of your brain to kind of work in unison, and and that's what happens naturally. And then when you have, you know, they say the humans don't use eighty percent of their brain; they they use all of their brain when they're calm. Yeah. And and the power of the human brain is immense, and that's why we're always trying to, you know, our handlers are always trying to cord us off to that very small portion. So, it's all about getting healthy and. and just moving ahead do some baby steps and start with their diet and healthy habits and they'll, they'll get inspiration every step of the way mm-hmm.
1: fantastic man this was such a fantastic conversation very enlightening and i know so many people their minds are going to be blown in all the right ways and um so, for everyone that wants to check out your very prolific um, uh, writings, articles, videos, and everything that you're putting out there in the world, um, where can they do that? They so go to Jason Christoph
0: on Facebook. It's uh, Christ with an O F F on the end. It's a, you know the, I think there's a couple uh, pages, but the one you want to you want to go to is a picture of me, my wife, and my daughter on a boat. Mm-hmm. That's the profile pic. I do post uh, articles on that Facebook page at com, just the letter J. And eventually, if someone's on the Facebook page, they'll make it to my blog where I have 1,300 articles mm. where I rant. I, I just let the energy out because I have no other way. I don't sedate it. It just flows out of me. Mm. Mm.
1: That's inspiring. Yeah. this has been an absolute pleasure and honor and i'm very happy that you're able to make the time and join me today
0: well thank you ronnie keep up the great work together we'll make a huge difference and everybody's coming along just fine
1: everything's going great yes relax nothing is under control but it all is at the same time (laughs) (laughs) exactly